Good morning and welcome. You are listening to Faith FM right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by myself, Lawson, and my wonderful co-host, Danuta. Danuta, how are you? Yeah, morning? great again. Lawson's great for another day. It's foggy outside, though. It is. It's foggy. It's cold. It's like... Yeah, but you know what? Fog, fog is usually good in the morning. It is, except this morning when I was driving out out of our suburban area. Yeah, sure. I almost hit a kangaroo. It oh, was, it no. was jumping literally in front of me, right from the houses to the bush area. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I had to put the brakes on. It was like, okay, not good with fog this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, I was driving this morning. At, well, I, cause I have to take a bit of a freeway to get here, but it's more of like a country freeway, you mm-hmm. know, like just like a, a, what would you say? Like a dual carriageway, that kind of thing. And yeah, as a result, it meant the cars were, the traffic was a little bit backed up there was a guy in the front of our you know car line that uh, was taking their time as a result of you know watching out for changing conditions on the road right and that kind yeah, of thing. being safe yeah absolutely <laughs> but good on him you know and and i got here and i am not dead and i am alive and well and able to do the breakfast show this morning with you Danuta. Danuta, like i think we maybe introduce you a little bit just in sense of you know we know that you're here we know that you're doing ministry and whatnot but but what's the day in day out look like for you what do you, what do you get day up in to? day out well this weekend i'm going to be preaching so yesterday after I left radio um mm. yeah it was about preparing and looking looking over the sermon and preparing things so yeah just a variety of things visiting people phoning people mm. Yeah, doing God's work. Awesome. Is that going to be down at Hillview Church? It is. Oh, praise God. I was there last weekend and I was incredibly blessed. Beautiful by church, the church, aren't there. they? Just really, mm. really awesome stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Danuta, can you get us our first quiz for today. First one is, while on a ship sailing to Italy in the midst of the storm, who told Paul that no lives on board would be lost? Mm, okay. Who said this? Who said yeah. this? If you if you know, 0491-064-669. Who told Paul that no lives will be lost? Well, we've got a fantastic prize for this week, Danuta, and it is one that I have... I'm trying to think if I played it because I've played a Daniel game before, mm. uh, but that one was, I, I think this one is different. I think this one is like a little bit, you know, more complete and comprehensive. The Daniel game that I played was basically just like a race around the board with Daniel trivia to which like Daniel is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It is, isn't it? And I just didn't miss a single question. I was like, oh, yeah. Da, da, da. But the game is kind of like a luck thing because there's all these like different spaces on the board and you'll just land on it. You'll, you'll answer the question right, land on it, and it'll be like, go back 20 places. I'm like, what? Oh, now that's the way. And, and then you still lose. You still, still lose, lose even though you can answer every question correct. Whereas Maybe it's picking up on those who think they're pretty good and get a bit cocky. So it's a way right. of keeping people cockiness down. That's right. But this one goes through 
the prophetic events mm. of Daniel's life as well. And kind of you make your way around the board and it's got all the imagery there. Mm. It's fantastic. Hey, it's really colourful too, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, like really bright and really attractive. Yeah, 0491 is the number to text. Do you want to read that question for us one more time? Yeah, while on a ship sailing to Italy in the midst of the storm, who told Paul that no lives on board would be lost? Absolutely. Now, Danina, what is happening in the world mm. of positively different news? Yeah, some good news. Well, some good news um, on what happened in history I thought would be really interesting. 130 days ago, um, on July 11, a J- Japanese entrepreneur named Mikimito mm. Kokihi, that's an interesting name, isn't yeah. it? Kokihi. Do you know the Japanese names well? <laughs> sure. Kokihi. I know you like the Japanese food. We were talking about that <laughs> constantly last week. Nah, it was just nah, like stop, constantly stop it, stop Japanese, it, stop it. Asian. Anyway, um, Mikimoto Kokihi created the first cultured pearl and wow. it actually started the pearl industry, industry that actually became really quite big. He actually left school to sell vegetables and support his family and he became fascinated with pearls and when he actually watched the pearl divers he actually found that the pearls were not um not not completely perfect in his opinion and that they had flaws and so he just he in 1888 he took out a loan to start his first pearl oyster farm wow yeah, and he started manufacturing that, and it actually, and after World War Two, he opened stores in Paris, New York City, um, Chicago, I think some of the other places were also um, mm. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Shanghai, Bombay, like literally in so many mm. places, and so it was one of the first Japanese brands, brands to attain um, uh, international presence and reg- recognition, mm. and can you believe it, that back in 2010 and 11, around that time so it would be even higher now the estimated um, sales that this pearl company this Mikimoto it was actually called Mikimoto Pearl Company made back around 2010 so well before COVID Mm. um, was around 300 million euros wow that's incredible. Incredible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And and you think like he actually just devoted his time to to all of that. And um, you know, my mind went to um, you know where Jesus says about the pearl of great price. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that's found in um, Matthew thirteen. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, mm. who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Yeah. I think this the story is really interesting because we're looking at like this Mikimoto guy and mm. because we see him as the kind of founder of an actual pearl industry and farming pearls up until this point like like pearls have existed because it's referenced in the Bible obviously yes. um, I'm just looking here on Google it says pearls were presented as gifts, gifts to Chinese royalty as early as 2300 BC wow so that's a, a long time ago mm. but. It, at that time, with you know no ability to dive, you know with equipment or or consistently or whatever it may be, in in when Jesus is saying this in his context, of course we think of pearls a great price because they're mm. in the jewelry shop and they're expensive, mm-hmm. but. In Jesus' time, it's a it's a pearl of great price because obviously it costs a lot and it's really pretty. But furthermore, because it is so 
difficult to find. So difficult you know, to find. And that's that's the shift that's happened now. Is that we can farm pearls and you know, mm. just like create an oyster farm. But at, in Jesus' time, it's like, wow, this is something that is truly special. Precious. And and, and precious. And precious. so, you know, we it's often we, we, we kind of lose the whole thing thought or the you know the entire meaning or context of these kinds of parables like oh yeah pearls are expensive a pearl of great price well we just need to find them at my local jewelry mm. store but at this time it was like to come across pearls was a rarity mm. it was it wasn't necessarily someone's business it was just they came across pearls they were expensive and beautiful and they mm. sold them to others so, and so we are you know yeah. in, in in this in this parable here we're considered that pearl mm. you know that we are so precious to jesus he wants yeah. all of us to be found and to be saved you and, know and to respond to him yeah and though sin has made you know that difficult you know in, like in reference to the sparsity of pearls that existed in jesus time because mm. of the difficulty of finding them sin has made it difficult to purchase people but jesus has risen up to the occasion and done the most difficult thing died Absol- on the cross abs- for his people absolutely absolutely mm. on another note and again on something that's uh, expensive and precious here mm. um do you know that um it a man in Kentucky actually recently found a buried cache of, of gold coins from the Civil War. Oh, wow. Yeah, consisting of nearly $700 worth of $1, $10, and $20 gold coins. But here's the thing, that they were from between 1840 wow. and 1863, and it's actually considered to be the great... Kentucky hoard. It's wow, it's, yeah, incredibly. And so the thing is, what's really interesting is that the finds in the U.S. that people find, you know, so this was from before the Civil War. It's believed that you know a lot of people were actually burying, burying, um, you know, their, their their money and their treasures before um, the Civil War. And so what we find here is that what's really interesting is that with this find, they're believing that the value is in with, mm. within the millions. And of course, um, uh, on those coins as well, it doesn't actually have in God we trust, which, mm. you know, the American currency does have today. And so it actually shows, um, you know, how old they are. But again, the interesting thing is that it's actually worth millions. And I think of, um, you know, again, another um, Bible verse that even though there the were treasures stored here in the earth, it says again in Matthew, don't store your treasures on earth because the greatest treasures are actually in heaven. Mm. Um, and so he'll get a lot of value with that. But hey, the greatest value is our eternal life and being in heaven for eternity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love these stories so much. And when people find treasure and it's like, oh, this is the, like they work out that, hey, this is the fortune of something or other that we've already been looking for. Yeah. Like, like these historical, you know, archaeological discoveries, and particularly when they happen in more like obviously you go to the middle east and you just like throw a rock in a certain direction and you'll you'll find some archaeological discovery being that you know it's probably one of the most consistently civilized uh and you know trodden over pieces of land in history but when they're in the united states mm. or they're in australia and they mm-hmm. come ac- like a land that again is so sparse and they come across these treasures and it's like oh this was i, yeah. lo- I love that too civil war history it's oh, like, oh this incre- is from yes. this period yes this was such and such as it's like wow that is that's amazing it is pretty amazing isn't and impressive it? that they can even find it well, it's that, it was in his own field. That's mm. what's really incredible in his own field. Nice. Yeah. So does he get to claim it? That's my. Well, that's question. what I. That's my question too. Because because <laughs> yeah. I we've we've talked a number of times about archaeological discoveries on the show before, and in the Middle East there are certain laws that if it's over a certain age, 
Well, no, no, no. So in England, if it's under a certain age, I think it's 300 years, you can keep it and personally right. sell it. If it's over that period right. of time, the, the government, you know, the the, muse- the British Museum is just like, oh, that's ours. Like, uh-huh. that, that's what they do. In the Middle East, you can't keep anything. Like in Israel, especially. In Israel. Oh, if, like, if Israel was, has so much history and biblical history, of course, yeah. Even if you find something that's 50 years old or, yeah. well, 50 years old, that's probably not an archaeological discovery. You might find a telephone that's 50 <laughs> years old. But it's like it's like 150 years old. It's like a dress from 150 years ago. They're like, oh, no, that's the government's. Thank you. <laughs> like, oh, which is so rough because you're the one who did the work, yeah, you know. And, yeah, they, yeah. and they rarely compensate as well. So it's, but I hope for this guy's sake in the US, you know, they're giving Same. him that freedom to, Same. to keep, so. keep that. That treasure. Oh, that's really awesome. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're joined by myself, Lawson, my wonderful co-host Anita, and we are going to get into our next quiz for today. Which chapter in Revelation has the fewest verses? Wow. Oh, that'll be interesting. Hey. They'll be testing people, won't it? And hey, we would love for you to be able to guess this, but I think with this one, you know, which chapter in Revelation has the fewest verses? You, you do have the opportunity <laughs> to just go to the Bible and just... If you're not driving. You know, if you're not driving, yeah, <laughs> please, please, please don't flick through the Bible while you're driving. But, uh, yeah, you know, you do have the opportunity to, to have a look in there and, and get a leg up on the answer, which, you know, look, usually we, we don't encourage people to go to the Bible unless they're not a regular church attender. If you're not a regular church attender and you really lost on these questions, we really encourage you, hey, get mm, into the Bible. Like, absolutely. And I think most people would know what the longest chapter in the whole Bible is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, in the in the whole Bible. In the whole but, Bible. But, but the, the, coming to Revelation, not yeah. everyone would necessarily know which one's the yeah. shortest one. So we're giving you a little bit of license, you know, you snoop around. Hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and of course, our amazing prize for this week is the Days of Daniel board game. Zero four nine one zero six four six six. Nine. Now, I've got a couple of stories here that I read and was quite insightful in regards to the academic institutions mm. of the United States and also the medical institutions of the United States and kind of some steps that have been taken in, in a direction that is just against science. Just okay. against science. And in the sense that, okay, so the first story I have here comes from the University of Cincinnati, um, Cincinnati in, in Ohio. And it basically, there was a story that unfolded where there was this girl, she was studying there. Her name was Olivia Krolchik. She had. That sounds really Polish. She is incredibly Polish. Yeah, yes, I yes. recognize Polish names. It's chick, <laughs> like the chick is C-Z-Y-K. So, yeah, that's yeah, definitely Polish. Very Polish. Chick. So, Olivia Krolchik, she had put in her final project, which was basically an essay and a research project in regards to biological males competing in female sport. Oh, and, and interesting. In, in women's sport and, and having a look into that area and trying to, you know, understand it and, and writing a paper to see, okay, well, this is what, you know, the average position of these athletes when they compete in this area and doing a full report. Now, she had been failed for that project because she used the term biological female. 
True. So if, even though she used biological male, that was an issue. So she, she herself, used, or she used both biological she, male so and biological used, female. She used biological male to and you know describe someone transitioning um, from male to female, mm-hmm. but then she used the term biological female to or biological woman to describe the basis of the category itself. Right. Like, oh, this category of sport is for originally biological females and now we've seen this shift because she used the term biological female and she asserted that this you know uh this category of sport is Mm. for biological females Mm -hmm. which is just true is is Mm. and has been true for a very Mm. long time um her professor uh a lady named uh melanie nipper she's a 28 year old adjunct professor at the university of cincinnati just failed her the reason she failed her is that she used language that is not inclusive okay so right. so that's that's she used non-inclusive language in an academic paper a sports science paper and she was failed for that now this so i wonder if she'd actually just put female and not biological female whether it would have still had the same effect as yeah. well well regardless she needs to use that terminology mm. because this is a sports science paper right right she needs to use Absolutely. that terminology like biological female representing someone who is born mm. with ovaries and mm. and all of those you know bits now, she was failed, and then this became a case within the university, and the dean had decided to, like, the university got together, and they said, well, that's not fair to this, this lady, mm. uh, to, this, to this woman who has submitted this paper. So then they decided to reprimand a, the adjunct professor. And by reprimand, it's like to have a conversation with her, to get to the bottom of why she did that, and then to, you know, bring her to the place where they say, hey, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You know, right. that, that's ultimately yeah, yeah. like, okay, you know, in terms of our academic standard, failing yeah. someone for saying biological female. Yeah, yeah. rather than the content of what you're actually presenting within right. your paper, as we know in universities is the case. Exactly. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to reprimand her for that. Now, the dean has ultimately decided to rescind the reprimand. And while Olivia will be getting uh, a passing grade for mm-hmm. her, for her, paper in the future there will no longer there won't be a standard coming out of this where they can't fail people for using this language okay so, so that ulti- has so it's actually been helpful really in that sense well like what she's made us no, sorry it hasn't no been no helpful no it yet. hasn't been helpful yeah, yeah, the sorry. point is is that nothing has changed yeah 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 and in the future if this particular university professor melanie nipper decides to fail someone for using the language biological female mm-hmm. in a sports science degree <laughs> mm. people will fail for that right and which is appalling really which i is think terrible yeah. well i'm currently studying you know you are yeah. a university graduate yeah. at denuda and to think that at, in a university yeah in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an institution of education you can't use proper terminology to mm-hmm. find biologic biology mm-hmm. um because it is uninclusive when it's really not biological female is not a sexual slur not at, at all. all. Uh, it, it is not a gendered And it's slur. not degrading people it's, in any kind of way. Not, you know, how do you guys feel? I'm, I'm sitting in yeah, our I, studio this morning with two females. And <laughs> if I said biological female, would you feel offended by that? And, and it's a resounding shaking of I'd heads. I'd be proud of the fact that I'm female. Amen. <laughs> amen. As you should be. So this is a really awful, but it, it's so interesting to see here. You might be listening this morning. It's like, okay, well, this is, this is just some, you know, some 
wacky professor at the University of Cincinnati who has done this, you know, awful thing. And unfortunately for that university, they decided to go down a really woke and liberal path. Mm. But out of these education centres comes the people who are influencing government and in, especially in the mm. area of health, right? Mm. Now... When we come to the next level up, so so let's say you graduate university at one of these universities and you start working for, you know, different health institutions and you get to the point where you work for the CDC. Now, the CDC is essentially America's highest level of health, uh, basically research right. and information and standards. You know, it's mm-hmm. the government will constantly reference the research of the CDC mm-hmm. to be able to make and pass laws. Now, the CDC had released a page and a paper that was re- in regard to breastfeeding. Uh, and it was, you know, a defining breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you know, teaching about breastfeeding, you know, and, and everything, you know, if you have kids and you breastfeed, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, this is what you do and the weeks and the periods of time mm-hmm. and how long you mm-hmm. should, all of those things, you know, an informational page. But because of the current social and political climate we live mm. in, they talked about it, it in regards to transgender people. Now, there is a certain section of it where it, it, it gets into, say, a, if a biological female has transitioned to become male, um, yet then has given birth mm-hmm. uh, and has also had a mastectomy, so they no longer have breasts. It is, it, it's kind of outlining and detailing how they still have the ability to breastfeed, and they've put a different term in regards to it called chest feeding, uh, to, you know, to I guess, please that crowd. And it's like, okay, it, look, fair enough, this is important and I think necessary Information that should be given to people about how to breastfeed, and particularly people of that orientation who have been through those surgeries and whatnot. But then the paper starts getting into male to female transitioned chest feeding, which is basically, and, and some research that they had been doing, um, trying to enable males to lactate. Um, but even if they couldn't, if they now identified as female, and they had a child in their care, giving them information on how they could breastfeed, even though, firstly, it's impossible. And secondly, okay, I'm going to say something. It's a little bit sensitive for those who maybe have kids in the car. Uh, this is for sensitive, maybe a little bit sensitive. So if you want to turn this down, totally fine. I'm giving you that license right now. Turn, turn the volume down. In the case of male chest feeding and that kind of action going on for a male, that is a sexual act. Because it's not a biological process. That is a sexual act. (laughs) And that, to me, is disgusting. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever read. The CDC encouraging biological males to breastfeed babies Mm -hmm. makes me feel sick and sickened. Because... Sorry, uh, what were you going to say? And it takes away from what God created us to be. Like God created us to be Mm. male and female for a reason. Absolutely. For a reason. And he created our bodies for those particular roles. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, I read a a verse like Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is clear and it is obvious, um, you know, the biological process that God has given to. Mm. And, and by the way, I just want to say this, our show here, you know, we are Christians and we are not anti-sex by, by no means. You know, it's sex is something that's given to us by God, but encouraging 
males to participate in a sexual act with literal babies is so sickening and so again against god's plan and it is a form of abuse and it has only become normalized simply because of just absolute irate foolishness and i i i would love to get your thoughts hey zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text let us know what you think about these stories and yeah praise the lord um that we still we still have god's word with us Mm. we still have a god who is working in our people we still have a god who is working in our hearts and we can open his word and see true standards and true wisdom you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm Positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM with myself, Lawson, my wonderful co-host, Danuta. Before we get into our interview for today, we have our next quiz. Which of the following appears first in the New Testament? Is it First Peter, Hebrews, or Titus? Oh, wow. Hey, read that for us again. Yeah, which of the following appears first in the New Testament? First Peter, Hebrews, or Titus? I think, you know, it depends who knows their, their older New Testament um, books of the Bible yeah. in order, chronological right. order really well. Yeah. Try not to go to your Bible if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gave you that license in the last one, but guys, yeah, yeah. we want to, we want to encourage you, you know, try and really be, uh, be on the ball with this one. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number. Number two, text. If you know the answer there, you go into the draw for the days of Daniel. But right now, we have come to our interview for today, which is with none other than one of my really good friends, Gina Burton. Gina, are you there with us? I am. Hello. Hi, Gina. How are you doing this morning? I'm really well, thank you. You're kicking goals, getting it done. Getting a, getting a good, healthy start to the morning. Yes. Oh, nice. Epic. Amazing. You've eaten some good <laughs> breakfast, I'm assuming. Uh-huh. And some good sunlight in my eyes, nice and early. Set that circadian rhythm. Absolutely. Wow. We are really living a a new start life this morning. That is awesome. (laughs) Hey, Gina, I've got you on the show this morning to talk about something really, really exciting that is taking place down in Sydney in the area of health that you are a part of. Yes. Um, Yes. So I'm really excited to be um, talking about our new lifestyle medicine center that is opening, well, has opened, is currently running at the, um, on the grounds of the Sydney Adventist Hospital in Warunga. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Alia Lifestyle Medicine Center. Oh, that's amazing. Now, you guys, you're at the sand. You've got this lifestyle center there. And I, I'd love to know, so how much of the creation of this were you a part of? And what has been the process of that up until now? Obviously, you guys have recently opened. Uh, so what did that look like, that journey to going, hey, we need this lifestyle wellness center? Well, um, Ali has been going on for quite a few years mm-hmm. um, in the background with um, with the conference, the um, South Pacific Division, I believe, mm. and they were having um, they did an online um, app based programs um, like your um, Forgive to Live, your um, mm. Live Well type programs. Yes. Um, but in the background, they really wanted a uh, in person um, mm. clinic. And our medical director, the um, wonderful Andrea, Dr. Andrea um, Matthews, she was um, asked, she 
um, was asked by one of the main people at Elia if she would be interested in mm. working with that sort of thing. And, um, and yes, she took it on. And I had been praying for quite a while for this sort of, sort of thing to happen. Mm. Um, and God had really put on my heart that, um, there needed to be a center of influence of health and lifestyle medicine type mm. things. Um, and I, I knew he'd put it on my heart for a reason, but I didn't quite know that it would come to be. Um, and, but it was working away there in the background and with the leadership at the Sydney Adventist Hospital. And, um, yeah, I got an email saying, um, that it was, that they'd, were going to go ahead with it mm. and, um, they needed nurses and health coaches to apply for the position. And I had done my lifestyle medicine certification, mm. um, with the board of lifestyle medicine. Mm. And so I was ready to go and, um, yeah, went and went for the interview and amazingly got it. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. And then after Alia had their, um, big conference earlier this year they also did the opening of it and yeah it's been a lot of admin and getting mm. the word out to local gps and the community around um our area so that we are open and yeah so gina how uh, i love what you're saying because the natural way is just so important isn't it with our health mm -hmm. And um, how, how's been the response when you're saying you've actually made contact in the community with the GPs and that? How's been that? How how was how has the response been? Um, really good. I think um, it's definitely it's not a new area as such. It's been around at least um, for quite a few years, especially in America. Mm. Um, but um, they definitely the GPs know that they cannot um, do what they need to with patients in the kind of 15-minute slots that they sure. have. Um, and so they're really, yeah, we're getting mostly a really good response about um, wanting to give their patients more. Um, and we work with the GPs. We don't take away from them, mm. um, which is a, a main thing. And we like, please, like, we'll keep you involved um, and then just send them, send your patients to us and we'll just give them that extra bit of time and um, a accountability and um, motivation that they need to make those like healthy lifestyle changes. Mm. And that's really good to hear because it, um, some people would be concerned that they've got to drop that contact with the GP and things like that and that really, you know, Am I in good hands here? But what, what I hear you saying is that it's actually working in with the GP. Um, what would you say to people that would have concerns in that kind of space? Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, well, our lifestyle medicine doctor, she does not take on as their GP. Mm. Um, she stays kind of as a specialty, specialty in lifestyle medicine. So you're coming kind of like you're going to another specialist as mm. such. And she um, will do her consultations um, and send all um, the information and um, what the kind of treatment plan that we're doing back to your GP. And um, we encourage that you keep up regular um, contact with them throughout as well. And then if, as you're getting 
healthier and as we're hopefully getting um, you off some medications, especially uh, for our diabetic patients, we keep um, your GP very involved in that kind mm. of process so that they are in the loop with me- which medications might be needed to be adjusted or changed. Mm. I'm absolutely yeah. loving the process of this, you know, hearing that taking this step, as you said in the beginning there, to something in person and something ongoing because I, uh, I have a number of friends who work in, you know, f- like the, the lifestyle kind of you know, physios and occupational therapists and whatnot, and they have just consistently found that the more time that they can spend with the patient, the more likely they are to succeed in their treatment and coming out of that as well. And if you take that even to the next mm-hmm. step, if you look at clinics, it, you mentioned in the United States, like a, like a Neil Nedley clinic, for example, where people come for a week or two week intensive regarding, you know, anxiety and depression and, and usually uh, difficulties with mental health. They have what a 90% success rate because the people mm-hmm. are coming and spending time in person and really getting to have that experience living out their treatment rather than just, you know, being either prescribed treatment, which they're, you know, then have to resolve to do on their own or, you know, just medication or whatever it may be. So this is this is a fantastic initiative. And, and from what I've heard so far, as you're mentioning, it's it's awesome that the doctors around are really getting on board mm. with this mm. um, so that patients feel that, uh, you know, they're, they're enabled that, hey, this is this is a way that you can be treated and, and you can actually bless them with something that's really effective. Mm, definitely. And I think what we've really found has been the what they've really enjoyed the most is actually the group dynamic of it. Mm. So one of the things we do is a 12 week program, which um, we can have up to 10 people in the group. Mm. And um, the like first group to go through, they were probably a little bit nervous about the fact we were doing shared medical appointments. Mm. Um, so they would have an original consultation by themselves, individual. But then ongoing, we would do these shared ones where um, they all come together on a, on a day and they meet with the doctor, with um, me, the nurse, and um, maybe the EP is our exercise physiologist as well. Mm. And we do an education session and then we do consultations in front of the other patients. Um, and that can be quite sound quite intimidating. But it means that they all learn things from each other Mm. and they get to be like, oh, this worked well. This didn't work well. Mm -hmm. I didn't think to ask that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they get this also like, oh, there's other people on this health journey with me. And um, that has led to a lot of accountability and ongoing motivation as well. Mm. Absolutely. Now, in terms, so you said you got this, you know, 12 week programs happening this this lifestyle center what are the different you know ailments and struggles that you guys have been predominantly focusing on and yeah offer treatment for yeah so anyone can come who wants a lifestyle medicine consult mm-hmm. um but for or if they want um we also do dietitian and exercise physiologist individual consultations mm-hmm. um but our 12-week program is kind of our special baby and that <laughs> at the moment <laughs> is focused um, mostly on pre-diabetes and diabetes mm-hmm. um, and um, either um, we're 
aiming, the intense, um, the amount of intensity that a person puts in is the likelihood of reversal of those conditions. Um, but also just to manage them and to be, to be able to reduce any medication needs with those conditions. Mm. Um, and then we're developing at the moment um, a breast cancer one, mm. um, which will be really great. Um, and um, we also do like weight loss and uh, also developing to just do a general um, chronic disease, cardiovascular disease type one as well. Oh, sounds fabulous, doesn't it? And and do mm-hmm. people have to? Can people self refer, or how does that how, how does that all happen? And also, um, you know, the, with the twelve week program, for example, is it during the daytime, or is it only several hours a day, or is it in the evening? How does that happen as well? Yeah, good question. Um, so you can um, just kind of call in and do um, if you don't really see a GP, um, you can do a self referral. Um, but we do um, encourage a referral process through through your GP. Um, and then you can also, by going through the GP, if you get onto a GP management plan, um, then the um, dietitian um, and exercise physiologist ones can be, um, and shared medical appointments can be Medicare rebated. Um, so that just makes the whole thing a little bit cheaper. Mm, um, that's good. Yeah, which is always helpful. Mm. Um, and um, but it and it also means that by referring through the GP that we can get um, your um, keep them involved and also get kind of blood results and things that have been done by your GP in the past. Mm. Absolutely. So, how long has the clinic officially been open? Um, since, um, end of March. Okay. So this is, this is fresh, but already sounding fantastic. Gina, is there anything that you want to promote for us? You know, if you want to get people in touch with you, you, if someone's listening today and they feel as like, wow, I could really benefit from this. How can they go about that? Yes. So we do have a, um, for anyone who, um, does have, um, a chronic disease or, um, is, wanting or has a or knows someone or has a family member um, who thinks that coming to a clinic like ours would be really helpful for them. We have a 10% discount at the moment for Faith FM um, listeners. Mm, um, and so they just have to say Faith FM when they call um, when they're talking to our receptionist. Wow. <laughs> Um, and so you can either look up the Alia Lifestyle Medicine Center website, which is alialmc.com. How is mm. Elia spelt for us too? Good question. E-L-I-A. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Um, or you can contact us on um, between Monday and Wednesday are our opening hours at the moment, 9 to 5, um, on 9480 6140. Mm. Awesome. We will get that information as well at our number 20491064669. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.